Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters. It's Friday night, it's Three Amigos night, and there's uh, Steve Hasty with a, a, an intruder in his house there. Yeah, was that the missus? It's room service, brilliant. Yeah, that's fantastic. You've got Steve Steve getting attacked in his house for not doing the painting properly. You've got Mitch who's down the pub, uh, I presume. Completely different background. And it's a big welcome to Zara. Um, Zara, great to have you on. Uh, we're going to talk you. a lot about your We Are The Geordies film uh, in this first hour and uh, get your opinion on a few things as well about Newcastle United. So, yeah, Friday night and it's match night, of course. Uh, match, match Day Live will be following this uh, following this show. Newcastle playing Crystal Palace uh, will be coming uh, strong with the team news at around about half past, uh, half past six, quarter to seven, whenever we get it. And, uh, yeah, but we're going to focus, first of all, on the film. And uh, we've given it a little plug over the last uh, over the last few days um, we are the Geordies football without fans is nothing said Jock Steen he's, uh, he's very very true in, with that quote and film kicks off on the 11th of December uh, this year uh, Covid hasn't stopped it It's uh, it's been long overdue we've uh, been excited really on this show is probably the best uh, word to describe it and uh, I'm not going to make any excuses or apologies for uh, playing the trailer that we've already played and then I'm going to play uh, something a little bit later which uh, Zara sent us but here's the trailer to uh, whet your appetite For me, I say it's a challenge more than a problem because uh, you have to perform, you have to do well, and for our player, it has to be the same. So we have to go there with the idea that this is a normal game, try to get three points, but the atmosphere will be so hot that uh, we have to enjoy more than uh, have problems with that. It gets us every time that just because we're not allowed to go in the ground, Zora. Well done, honestly. It's uh, it's so difficult getting things to uh, the cinema. You had big success with uh, with the Stag Do, which is a great film. Uh, but let's talk about uh, let's talk about this film. How did the idea come about? First of all, where did the idea come from? Um, it was first off. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, it was no problem. Actually, in, I was in London. I did. I went to do a. Um, a course on um, low-budget filmmaking and actually to persuade the person who was running the course to take an interest in the sequel to The Stag Do. Um, but during the weekend that I was in London um, and kind of doing the breakout sessions and all that kind of thing, I kind of wrote down NUFC fans because the thrust of this meeting was what have you got access to that maybe you know, you you overlook that might have some value that brings kind of production value. Um, what can you do that's special? Um, and what can you do that doesn't cost an arm and a leg? And at the same time, uh, it was this was kind of about 10 days after Rafa extended his stay with us after we got relegated into the championship. So this was June 2016. Um, after one of the days one of the days I was actually talking to a Liverpool fan and we were comparing Rafa Benitez stories and I was saying how there's amazing videos of our fans singing their hearts out to Rafa Benitez from the Spurs game, which of course was the last day of the season. And um, I said, and I've been kind of jotting down ideas on this course and thinking about doing something where we follow a football season, but instead of following the season and the players and all that, we follow the fans following the club. And he went, oh, that would be really good. 
um, I've never seen anything like that before. Um, and you should do it this season. I'm like, well, there's no way I can do it this season. The season starts in two months. Um, and he went, yeah, but look, you've got Rafa Benitez who's come from the Bernabeu and he's going to be playing in Barnsley. You know, that's kind of quite an amazing story. You really should do this season. So um, on the train on the way home, I rang Steve, Mr. Hasty, who's just below me on my screen. I don't know where he is on your screen. And uh, said, so I want to do a film where we follow fans. Um, what do you reckon? Do you think we can get the club to back us? Um, and he said, well... I'll speak to Lee Marshall and have a and you know see what he says. What are you thinking about? I said I'm not really thinking about anything in particular. I've literally just this idea has just popped into my head, um, and I want to follow our away support, but um, I want to kind of show what I think of Newcastle fans, not what everybody else thinks of Newcastle fans, and I kind of want to make a really affectionate story about the people who I consider to be friends and who I admire because they schlepped 10,000 miles around the country every season following Rafa's Mighty Mags, as it was. And that's that's kind Fantas of the idea. So great the club idea, came on... but... Great idea. Sorry, I interrupted you there. The club came no, no, on board on. quite quickly, and uh, literally two months later, I was interviewing Rafa Benitez at the training ground, and I was bricking it. <laughs> Amazing, amazing stuff. And I mean, you know, you picked a great season as well. That was always the thing that you couldn't predict. It's a bit like, you know, when you book a wedding, you can't predict what the weather's going to be like. But to, to actually to decide to film a documentary through a season, um, we all know Newcastle aren't going to win the Premier League anytime soon. Um, winning a cup would be nice, but we're, we're a long way short of that as well in, in recent years. Um, but, you know, to, to get relegated and, and hopefully bounce back under a world-class manager, um, you, you know, you could pick the better time. And, and, I mean, I'm sure it takes us on that emotional journey, does it, as a fan? I think so, yeah. I mean, it's it's an interesting thing because when we, get to, when we got to the end of it and we had, like, 400 hours of footage and I have this big thing on my wall, I'd gone round to Steve's um, and got a whole load of big white cardboard things i don't even know what they are stuck them all over the wall in the spare bedroom and mapped out the football season like what all the matches were and then which, which so we followed 11 fans which of our fans we followed at which game what happened in the game that might be interesting and then you kind of start looking at it you go it actually happened to follow quite a um it just happened to follow quite a good sort of Hollywood narrative with ups and downs and a roller coaster and of course the surprise the supreme ending of winning the championship in the 90th minute of the last game of the season you know you couldn't really have asked for anything better my phone I was in the ground wired for sound um and my phone I must have got something like 200 texts from people going there's your Hollywood ending you've got it you've got the ending you've got the film you want when's it coming out and sadly then it kind of ground to a halt and it took us another four years to get it finished Amazing note, an amazing journey. And there's, um, there is a question there coming from Nicholas. Could you ask of the documentary where the Geordies will be available available to buy as a stream? I don't have a DVD player, says Nicholas. Um, yeah, it's going to be a... available on all sorts of VOD. It, it, you can actually, it's available right now on iTunes and Apple TV for pre-order. For It'll be out the week of the 11th. I know the 11th is the Friday, but it'll be out that week um, on iTunes, Google play i think amazon prime um not amazon prime amazon um 
Virgin and Sky Store and probably a couple of others that I'm forgetting about and I'll get wrong for later, but yeah, <laughs> as well as DVD. The main reason for the DVD was just, personally speaking, I want to have a physical thing because I don't like the fact that you can suddenly lose the license or if, you know, I, I want to own it. If I want to watch it again in 10 years, I want to be able to do that. Yeah. And you can't always uh, do that with a stream. Yeah. Steve, um, you've been involved in the process, as Zora's mentioned, for, uh, you know, you know, since the start, really helping out. I know I've, I've helped, uh, uh, you know, a little bit as well by, you know, trying to get Zora and uh, the team some access to uh, some of the players and, and uh, manager, etc. But what about you, Steve? I mean, you, what, what's your feelings on, on how the, uh, the, the final projects, you know, developed and turned out? Yeah, Zora summed it up when she said it had been a roller coaster, but it's been it's been it's been a passion, I think, um, for both Zora and James that you know they w naturally would have wanted it to come out a little bit quicker and a little bit sooner. Um, but you know what? Sometimes fate just falls on your lap, and I think that you know the the fact that we're now in COVID and we now haven't been to a game uh, since March. You know, we haven't been in inside inside St James's Park. And we're, we're now going to be going back in there on the 11th of December, um, in our own minds anyway. We're going to be able to remember that season. We're going to remember what it was like being in the crowd. We're going to see, we're going to see footage from that was recorded by other fans, you know, the, the fan footage that's involved in it. We're going to see, we're going to see different parts of the ground. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to feel every emotion that we've felt for years and years but haven't experienced in the last sort of nine months. And that alone, to me, makes this film unique um, because it, it, it's an opportunity for to bring Newcastle fans together um, and, and look back with, with pride, but look back at envy of what we had and what we hope we can get back soon when we're inside St James's Park. And it, it just, it's just keeping that going. It's, it's keeping that faith, isn't it, um, in, in, a, in a way that... Um, means that we're not going to fall off the edge of that cliff. We're not going to lose our interest in football. Um, we're going to have, you know, that's always been the, the concern for a lot of people, I think, during COVID, um, that, you know, the longer it goes on, the less interested you'll be, the way that the things are happening off the field with Newcastle, um, the lack of a takeover, all, all sorts of other other things, you know, personal problems that people have got, financial. But uh, it was a great, great season, you know, ups and downs, fantastic Hollywood ending. And I'm just so proud of Zara and I'm so proud of James and the team who were able to pull it off because it, it, it was, um, as I said, it was, a, it, was, it was a passion that they really, really got a hold of and embraced. And, and they produced something that is, in my mind, an absolute thing of beauty. It really is. Thanks. Fantastic. Thank Fantastic, good stuff. Uh, Paul Bedson's asking, where can he see the stag do? Somebody asked this the other night, and um, it's it's difficult to get a one. Can can we still get a copy? Can we download yeah, it anywhere, Zora? You can still get. You know what? I'm supposed to have been putting it up for download for two years, but suddenly, a silly film featuring Rafa Benitez has kind of taken control of my life, and <laughs> I haven't put it up for download. And James, who um, my partner, who is the writer and co-director of this film and was the writer and director of the stag do nags me constantly get it on amazon get it on download blah, blah, blah. but you can still get it for, on dvd from the website which is the stag do.com two g's 
Fantastic. Uh, Tom Lynch says, I see the Mackhams have already got their knickers in a twist over the film. And um, to be honest, Tom, you are right. And this is something we did speak to Zara about. And uh, if anybody hasn't seen this, um, there is a wonderful website um, called Ready to Go. It's a message board. God, remember them? Like everything, they have gone out. They went out in the uh, they went out in the seventies, didn't they? In the eighties, with uh, Newcastle fans, Sunderland are just probably getting involved in having a message board now. It's um, you know, it's, it takes them all the time to write. But um, yeah, six in a Rose had a, a little pop here and said, "When I see something like this, it just shows the obsessive delusion they have with themselves and not the football team. Everything Newcastle centres around." Geordies. The song they sing all the time is Geordies. It's not about the football team at all. The testimonial written on the link by Dave Johns, it's about belonging. Half of Sunderland supporters are Geordies for God's sake. I know this contradicts my post a bit. But what gets me shaking my head is that no other club in the country obsesses as much as Newcastle supporters about the people of Newcastle and not the football team. It's bizarre. They really do live on another planet. Then Wandsbeck Viking, great name, says they are so insecure it's laughable. Why do they need the constant crave of being a Geordie? It's the fuckers that aren't Geordies that are the worst. People from Ashton, Durham, etc. that tell people, I am a Geordie, me like. They're an embarrassment of the northeast. And finally, um, yeah, we come on with we come off with Gandhi's floss. Says um, exactly, mate. I was thinking this morning, what other club sing about themselves rather than the football team they support? Answer is none. Only them lot. It's so self-obsessive. So say the people writing about it on the Sunderland message board who are <laughs> obsessed with us. But yeah, Zora. I mean, you, you know, this is it. We've talked about my favourite saying: head above the parapet. Um, welcome to my world. Um, what do you make of all of that? Well, as my late beautiful mother used to say, don't speak ill of the dead. And as far as I'm concerned, Sunderland till I die. They died when they fell out of the championship. They're now swanning around outside the playoffs in League One yet again. So who cares what they think? Any publicity is good publicity, and one thing's for sure. One thing's for sure, they'll probably watch it themselves to uh, t- to do a review, possibly on Ready to Go. But um, yeah, anyone want, anyone wants to read Ready to Go, it's well worth reading. Um, I often pop on just to see uh, them, them have a pop at me. Inaz the Crazy Inar is their favourite one about me. Um, I do enjoy reading it, and uh, it's not trolling. It's people having an opinion about me. Uh, I, I, and I, I tell you what, if I ever need bringing bringing back down to earth, that's what I tend to wear. That's what I tend to have a look at. Um, Mitch, welcome to the show, mate. Yeah. And you're in the boozer. Uh, Sorry, mate. I've, I've, yes, I've I am. A, I've had a day where I've never had time to breathe um, at all. Still haven't had my tea. Not going to get it till nine o'clock now. You're in the bar. Um, now, on this film, uh, there is somebody who we know, and we've got a little bit of an exclusive here, Mitch, um, for you. Something you probably haven't seen. Uh, here we go. Actually, I've, I brought that, and somewhere, that is the rosette that my mother made for my father when he went to the 1950 Cup final against Arsenal. He hitchhiked all the way to London. Cool. Put the rosette away and then give us a... Okay. Because I don't want that to blow away. No, no, that's fine. Right. Tell us about this. This is uh, called a corn craig, but we're in the northeast we call it a rattle. Uh, and in the 40s and 50s, this is what people took to support the team. And this is the noise it made. 
Can you imagine if 52,000 people at the end of the game who twirl their scarves twirled one of these instead? It would be incredible. But I don't think we'd even get them in the ground now. Amazing stuff. The, le the, le the legend that is George Great, Mitchell. Man. The legend that is George Mitchell appears on this. He's a star of the show, I think. Um, but it's just great to see that. Um, what, what's your thoughts, Mitch, about that? Now, have you spoken to your dad about his part that he plays in the film? We've spoke about it on and off, and um, I, haven't, I haven't really seen much of any edits. But I know, I know, I did a little bit with a, with with him on what when I went back for one of the games as well. Um, so yeah, um, honestly, very proud of him. I think everybody's seeing now when you tune into the retro nights and you see how we interact and the, the, the family stories that bound around constantly and things like the rosette and the rattle. Uh, um, sorry, I'm just getting asked for last orders for, for happy hour. Um, so we'll, we'll stick them in. Um, uh, hi, uh, you know, the, 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 the stories that bound around the family uh, and, and the connection that Newcastle United has through the entire family, you know, from my dad's dad um, to me, to my dad's uncle, jo uncle, uh, uncle Tom, um, so many parts of our family who have influence over how I am and my connection with Newcastle United Football Club. And I think that will come through in this this film. I think Zara, obviously, we, we, we've all been um, lucky enough to have a, have a little bit of input and keeping Zara's chin up at times when it was tough after the filming was done and getting through and, and now looking to try and help get rights in this region because it would be lovely as a gift from the fans in the Castle United to the friends we've made in the Middle East over the last couple of years to say, look, this is what we're all about. This is our gift to you. And this lady's made it happen. You know, and I'm proud of that and I'm proud of me mate for doing all of that. Um, and I'm really glad it's got to this point. Because um, even in the darkest days when we felt it wasn't going to get there, you know how good it is to see it out there and then some. It's brilliant. Lots of positivity coming in uh, from basically lots of positivity coming in from from everybody in the chat. Um, you know, son, son of THC says, I think with a film being made by a fan for the fans, it's awesome. It's not some twonk trying to make money from our stories. It's fans made, which is perfect. Um, yeah, Martin says, SAFC fans have just got Bebo. Um, and uh, yeah, son just apologising, saying um, if you spelled his, he spelled his name wrong. So, uh, but look, it's loads of... It's pronounced wrong all the time. I'm used to it. I really don't care. Just say it. Zara Z, how he... I don't really care. Yeah, and you. Paul, Paul does say absolutely obsessed with Newcastle. Keep the social distance and lads, two leagues, two leagues apart. And uh, John says we'll definitely be buying a copy just because it's upset the Mackens. <laughs> so brilliant, fantastic stuff, uh, great. And um, you know, as I say, available now. Get get your get your copy, buy a download, or, or whatever you need to do. Great to see George on there. And if you uh, if you want to see a bit more of George, join the Retro Show. Uh, as I say, on a, a Wednesday night, well worth well worth watching. But um, best of luck with that, Zora. We're going to uh, okay. dip dip into uh, dip into the stuff now that we uh, tend to cover on here a lot. And um, where do we go? Um, we're going to look at the match probably in the second in the second half. We'll start looking at that just before Zora goes at seven uh, at half six. Sorry, Steve, um, take over. 
Any yeah. news? Any news? Any news? Uh, we we always get asked about it. Um, seems to be a lot going on. Uh, not a lot that many people can talk about. It seems to have been a really positive week for the fans consortium. Chion Wura getting involved again, uh, not once but twice. Seems to have the uh, the bit between her teeth with regards to uh, you know challenging this uh, you know rejection, if you like, of the takeover from the Premier League because it's uh, you know it, it's still got legs. We've we've you know we've been enthusing on it over the last few months and um, I have seen a bit of criticism as usual from other people and other accounts and other podcasts you know these people are affecting there was somebody on Radio Newcastle last night rang in and said uh, it's affecting people's mental health etc you know and people who are saying it's, it, it's still it's there's still life in the Newcastle takeover and, the, and in the Sunderland takeover are affecting people's mental health you've got to be po- you know we're being positive because you know, we know there's still stuff going on, but I mean, what's your take on on it all, Steve? Well, I'm fascinated with the with, with what's happened over the last sort of week to ten days. The fans consortium, obviously, is the is the is the really interesting thing for me. Um, the way that that has sort of really opened up. Uh, I was going to say opened up the market. You think I was selling it, you know? Uh, but the, the way that that's opened up the imagination, I think, to to, to support us. Those those of supporters who have, have actually got it and realised that there's something something strategic going on uh, with the fans consortium, the two lads who are who are wanting to take the uh, the Premier League to court over what they think is uh, anti-competition law. They feel as though that they've breached competition law, and and they feel as though that there is a case to answer. And then, and that's it, it, at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's, is there a case to answer? Has there been has there been action taken? Uh, by the Premier League that's breached competition law. And they feel as though they have. They has, rather. Um, and I think we've seen we've seen that there's an article tonight in the in the Shields Gazette, I believe. If it's not out, it's due out very shortly. I think it was due out about quarter five from what I was understanding. That's just piecing together a few little a little pieces about what's happened since the takeover um, was rejected and what possibly could have caused that rejection. Um, you know, there was an awful lot that's been spouted about about people walking away from a deal. Um, why would somebody walk away from a deal when they spent an awful lot of money on a deal? Um, are we talking about principle? Are we talking about process? Are we are we are we listening to one side versus the other? Which side do we trust? Do we, I'm now at the point where do I trust the the, the, the Premier League? Um, especially after I read about Project Big Picture. And to my mind, there is a there is a there's a contract being played out there by what can only be the top six, because the top six are the ones who are driving Project Big Picture. They seem to be using um, COVID and the issues that have, have occurred within the EFL to bring together something that I think has always been their plan. And I think they haven't been interested in Newcastle United's takeover. I don't think they've taken it seriously. I think they've done everything they can in their power to stop the takeover or to stall the takeover or to make the takeover go away. Um, that's my that's my take on it. I feel as though when I read an article about at the weekend about Tottenham Hotspur, for example, let's, let's use them as an example. Apparently Tottenham... Uh, 18 months ago, were actually touting themselves forward to PIF and offering themselves to be to be bought from from what we gather. 
Um, at the same time, I've heard very, very similar um, from about three or four years ago with Liverpool, where Liverpool were making approaches and conversations were being had about Liverpool being bought by a consortium that may well have, have included PIF. Um, we've seen Manchester United all over the newspapers for at least two years um, with stories that they were going to be bought by um, not PIF, not the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia, but the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia himself. And, you know, we've seen figures of three billion, four billion bandied around. Um, so there's three of the top six straight away. It's interesting that the top six is actually the top five plus one other, because all of this project work that they're doing is geared towards um, a European Super League of sorts. And that's what they've, they've hidden behind. But only five of those top six would go ahead in the first instance and have the power. So I, I would, I'd raise the question, well, who actually are the, the top six? Are we talking about Liverpool? Yes. Are we talking about Manchester United? Yes. Are we talking about Chelsea? Yes. Are we talking about City? Yes. Are we talking about Spurs? Yes. And that just leaves Arsenal. Spurs' biggest rival. And you've got Spurs who were trying to openly sell themselves to make them and seal their position as part of the top five, if not pushing into 4 3 2 and 1 position by wanting to sell themselves and be purchased by uh, the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia less than 18 months ago. If I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be, I'd be gutted that I was going to be out, outshone, but more importantly, kicked into the touch by the, the nearest rivals, Tottenham, and everybody knows Arsenal would be would be number six in the top six, with only five places going to the Champions League. This is a club who've been in the Champions League for, what, 20 years consecutive almost, you know? So there's deeds within deeds, there's dirty deeds being played, there's games within games being played, um, and we shouldn't hide behind the fact that this has an awful lot to do with Newcastle United, wanting to break into that top six and them doing everything in their power to destroy that, to knock it back, to push it into the long grass, to they and get their project big picture in place. And we're hearing we're hearing some interesting interesting things about what the Premier League's intentions are. And I, I've heard that the that the the EPL board are no longer in control of the Premier League anymore. I don't know whether you guys have heard similar rumours, but I've heard they're yeah. not in control anymore. I'm I've hearing, heard the I'm same. Hearing, yeah, I'm hearing that. I'm hearing that the Premier League now is basically the top six, and yeah. what you've got is you've got a you've got an executive board who are just sitting there, um, just taking everything that they're told. They're not running it as their duty is as the directors of the English Premier League, the executives of the English Premier League. On behalf of the 20 shareholders of the English Premier League, they're being dictated to and forced to do things and say things and act upon the whim and will of the top six. And every fan in the country should be up in arms, including fans of the Premier League's top six, by the way, because this isn't good for football. This isn't good for, for the game. This isn't good for English football moving forward. This is simply a power grab. And power grab after power grab becomes a money grab. And that's where they're all looking. 
you take the power and then you'll take the money. And we, the, what, what remains in the Premier League, if they get Project Big Picture in the manner that they want, will be six clubs just going off into the ether and the remainder just being the also runs. Uh, and that's supposed to be a competition, by the way. This is supposed to be a level playing field when it comes to competition, you know. And we're not in a competition anymore. We're just we're just lap dogs, lap dogs for the rest of for the for the top six. We're just cannon fodder for them. And you will you will no longer get opportunities like Leicester, for example, winning the league. You know that, that I, I know we've always said that. And you look at the league and you think, well. Somebody will argue that that's been the top six anyway, and it always will be. It doesn't have to be always like that. It's taken Liverpool thirty years to win the league, for goodness sake, you know. So we shouldn't, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be willing to just take it and sit back and just, just have it thrown at one like that, and and not have an opportunity to fight back. And it's time to fight back. And I think what the, what the fans consortium are doing is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Two lads of their own belt taking on the powers of the EPL and taking on the powers of the big six. And, you know, if we get behind them and we keep fighting for them and keep fighting with them, then, hey, they stand every chance of, of really, really getting somewhere, Steve. Yeah, no, I would agree. I would agree. It's uh, it's interesting times. Great, uh, great stuff, Steve. Mitch, few questions were coming up on the uh, on the questions there for you about PIF, etc. Any 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 thoughts on on those? PIF wouldn't join the club to just be an also run, but I think that's part of what probably upsets the top six or the big six, if you want to call them that. Um, but to expand on what Steve said, if five five into six doesn't go, and there's one club who could be pressured to break, and that's Arsenal, because they're in the weakest position of that six. As fans, we are shown again, time and time again, we are the ultimate custodians of the game. Who do they come to when the when the bottom drops out of clubs? Who do they turn to when an unscrupulous owner runs a club into the ground and they want to build it back? It's always the fans. It's always us. It's always us putting my bloody hands in my pockets, whether that's for match day tickets or whether that's for TV deals. You have to question what else are the Premier League or the, the big six leading the Premier League down? Where are they going with certain things? Are they looking at things like broadcasting rates? Are they looking at things like carving up the money that comes in from television to make sure that those at the top of the top of the pile get the biggest chunk and that it isn't as, as even as it is at the moment? Because at the end of the day, top to bottom in the Premier League, the difference between what you get as a, um, a top four team and a bottom four team is only about 30 million different. I'm quite sure they would be very happy to make sure that the television money is carved up in a different way. And it makes me wonder, are they working on something to, to, to negate that? And over time, are being sports even feeling a little bit pressured? Because you see them starting to make very different sort of machinations and moves at the moment, perhaps because they feel threatened by something that's going on in the background. 
you know, there's a lot of things in this that are wrapped up. It's like a, it's like a rotten onion, and the more layers you peel off, the worse it gets. Um, again, I said last week, Hoffman, where, where does Hoffman fit into this? Where does Hoffman fit into all of this? He's the one that's getting away. He's the, he's the one whose name's not being mentioned. So what role is he playing, and what difference does he have to Masters and the others? What, why is it they're the ones being chucked in front of the DMCS and, and failing, by the way, because they don't like the pressure. They really don't like the pressure, and it makes me think, what are you hiding, and what else are you hiding? And and so th there's so many things that I suspect are going on. In fact, no, I'll use the word no. I know are going on behind the back. The, 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 is, it, is it maybe obvious to everybody, Steve and I have compared notes this week, and things we're getting from different sources saying exactly the same thing is not just worrying about um, our position with the takeover talk and things like that. It's worrying about the future of our game. You know, and I'll come back to this. It's all American driven. It's all all driven by um, American based owners who see a model, a model that I think they want to want to eventually, and as Z knows, um, is somebody who who I love the NFL and I love American football and how it works. But they're looking at that model and I'm quite sure they're looking at saying, right, how can we control the TV rates like Game Pass in NFL? How can we control uh, how the clubs work and operate? How can we ensure that there's no relegation anymore? Are we going to trim the Premier League down in numbers again and get back to this idea that um, we don't want our players playing too much, too many games and and, and, and make it a closed shop. And a closed shop to allow those big clubs who are then going and playing the, the European Super League make sure that their, their interests in Europe don't affect their ability to then stay at the top of, of the Premier League as well. It, 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 there's too many things going on here that are intertwined, that are devious, not a downright wrong. And, and, and there's no doubt about it. And it all revolves around money and greed. And, and television rights is part of that. You know, and and I, I've been aware of, of, of the Amazon proposal for a uh, potential Super League, where the bottom club in that Super League earns £260 million from the television rates. £260 million for finishing last. <laughs> you, you know, it... it it's mind-blowing, and it's greed. And, and, and what they're going to do, unless as fans we stand and make a stand together, and, I'm, and I would encourage fans of other clubs watching and, and listening to the kind of things that are going on, we as fans have to make this stand because we are the ultimate custodians of this, custodians of this game. The whole Project Big Picture thing with the lip service money being chucked around because Parry knows the, the football league clubs are so desperate for cash they would accept any deal even as uh, as I think uh, Ian Mern said last week it, it sugar coated cyanide pill which is exactly what it was that proposed you know they, they are so desperate for money as, you know there's 72 clubs that are losing collectively 25 million a month that's not sustainable in any way shape or form and that will end in tears and you'll see towns and cities lose their clubs and that club is the focal heart of a community for so many. I know we, we go on about the cathedral on the hill and the heartbeat of the city and the, the amazing relationship we have and the synergy we have as a city with that club. 
but we're not unique in that. There are other clubs who are the centre of the community for cities and towns all over the place, you know? And and it really, really, really needs... It's time that we use this pressure we are able to leverage at this moment to put one over on the Premier League, who are basically being um, cut-loaded by the top big six into doing their bidding. And they're standing back with their fingers in their ears, hoping it just goes wrong. And that's wrong. It, they've got to be honest and they've got to start and stand up and be doing something about it. John O says we need a Geordie Hacker to dig up the dirt. I think there's plenty of that going on with uh, the Newcastle Fans Consortium. Uh, that's what they're that's what they're good at. And um, I think, yeah, I think we might see a few uh, major revelations and the Premier League will be sweating, I think, over the next few weeks. But uh, let's see how it all pans out. Zara, what's your take on the... Uh, on the you know the ongoing rumblings of a takeover at Newcastle United. It's now the time to paraphrase Keegan and say I would just love it. Um, <laughs> no, it would be, I mean, you know, it needs to happen. You've got a willing seller, you've got a willing buyer, and the roadblock, as you guys have identified, is the big six. When the story first broke about this months ago. Months and months ago, Jesus, where are we? Are we in December yet? November. I remember saying to Steve, they can talk about piracy all they like. What they do not want is Newcastle United being the biggest club in the country, in the world. Because if that was to happen, then certainly one of the big six would be dropping out because we would be right up there with them. And I've said that for months and months and months, and I haven't changed my mind. I think it's way more about political shenanigans and keeping their closed shop, which is now becoming as revealed as part of big picture is to move into Europe than it ever was anything to do with piracy. That's my personal opinion. Yep, fair enough. That's fair enough. I think uh, it, by all accounts, it's got legs. And uh, when you hear the likes of Steve Hastie and Neil Mitchell talking about it, as they do, with the passion that they've got and with the knowledge that they've got. And uh, bear in mind as well, I keep saying I have contacts on both sides and uh, I've been given no negativity whatsoever in the last couple of months uh, to say that this is off or that it's not going ahead. We all know what, this, what the situation is as far as PIF are concerned. We know they walked away. Uh, but our understanding is that they will come back in a heartbeat if this gets sorted out. So let's just watch and wait and see. Uh, I don't ever think anyone on this show, whether it's me, Steve, Mitch, Liam Kennedy, whoever, has ever given anybody false hope. We're just giving you what we can uh, when we can. And for me personally, I think we would be uh, doing the fans an injustice if we didn't do that. So from my perspective... Um, you know, let we will just keep on keeping on, as they say, uh, with what we uh, what we believe in, um, and we'll let others do what they want to do on their channels. So good luck to them. I'm sure that uh, once this comes to a conclusion, at some point, uh, people can make their own minds up. Um, you know who was right and who was wrong. But uh, let's see how it all pans out. Let's talk football. Uh, Zara's got another twenty minutes with us. So Zara, I'm going to come to you again. Um, mm -hmm. Steve Bruce. 10 to 3 now uh, to get the sack. And uh, on this show, um, I put my head above the parapet and said two weeks ago that there was problems in the dressing room, that the players were unhappy, um, that there was a certain group of players who weren't happy and there's a certain group of players who are good pals with Steve Bruce and will do anything for him um, at this moment in time. Um, I didn't name the players, but it was a good contact who gave us that uh, gave us that information. We put it out there and lo and behold, two weeks later, what have we got? 
absolute pandemonium. Uh, ASM with a slight injury now, but all accounts, um, the rumour mill suggests that there was a bust up in training, whether it was him or whether it was somebody else, who knows. Uh, we've got reports tonight of Steve Bruce giving an interview and having some bruising on his face. Whether that's the case, again, that's an allegation, I don't know. Um, but... We also have um, we also have you know rumours of other players who uh, are now you know COVID potentially isolation um, you know it's a mess it's an absolute mess and when you put it all together um, you know you know put these players together if we had a fully foot team they're not playing well that you know the, the stats back it up it's not me criticising the team they're not playing well I mean it's a shambles Zara isn't it compared to where we were with Rafa. It certainly seems that way. I mean, I've got to put my hands up and say I literally have been so busy with the film, but also my son, um, that I haven't watched a single match this season. Um, I kind of read the results, listen on the radio when I get five minutes, but I haven't watched anything. So I couldn't tell you whether we play poorly or not, but everything I read online, (laughs) everything I read online suggests we're not playing well. Um, Everything, everybody who I talk to about it, you know, says that things are not great, that things are not going well at St. James's Park. There's trouble at Mill and all that. Um, what's the answer? Probably not Steve Bruce, but I really don't like to kick a dog when he's down, so I'm not going to say anything more on the subject, if you don't <laughs> mind. Fair um, enough, fair, fair enough. I mean, it, I, just, it's... I, feel, I, I actually feel sorry for him. I don't think he's up to it. He's never been at a big club as a manager. Um He's ridden his luck more than anybody I've ever known as a manager. It's starting to run out and he doesn't have what it takes to dig himself out of it. Okay. Um, without ESM tonight, you, you do wonder. I mean, the team will be announced probably in the next 15 minutes. Um, you do worry because he's he's the one spark of creativity. Led to believe John Joe Shelby would be back in tonight. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's... It's just the way the team plays are, isn't it? It's it's you know it's not it's not organised, but there's there's no there's no attacking. You know, I mean, we don't John crave Joe attacking Shelby. football. No, we don't. I mean, John Joe, John Joe Shelby is an interesting one because when he's on his game, he's amazing. But I've never seen, and I'm not a super duper expert like you guys are. You know, making this film showed me I'm probably not even as much of a fan as most other people are. So I'm not a super fan by any stretch of the imagination. But when I watch. John Joe Shelby, he doesn't ever take the game on his shoulders. Like, think, think if you think of some of the great midfielders we've had, Rob Lee for one, Gary Speed, God rest his soul, another one. When things were bad, they actually put the whole team on their shoulder in the middle of the midfield and dragged the team forward. And I've yet to see John Joe Shelby do that. Not He didn't even do it in the championship. The game passes him by. People bypass the midfield all the time when he's there. And not on his game. Yeah, it's a mess at the moment, Steve. Um, Steve Bruce. It does appear that he's lost the dressing room. There's definitely a divide. Um, I've got to say, uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've said, and I've said on this show since it started. I'm not a fan of John Joe Shelby. Um, Rafa Benitez didn't have him anywhere near the first team squad, and yet he could be back straight back in the team tonight. Um, Andy Carroll, I said he was a publicity stunt. He's injured again, um, but he appears to be another one who backs Bruce to the hilt. Um, 
Lascelles, another one who has been very, very supportive of the manager. Um, there seems to be little clicks developing, Steve. Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, I, I, I heard first thing that uh, that there was a, a, a dispute between uh, San Maximan and Bruce uh, yesterday, and I heard that apparently he was told that he, he wasn't playing today. And uh, whether whether it's true that he said, well, if I'm not playing, I'm not travelling, um, I don't know, but he suddenly didn't, he suddenly got an injury. Um, I'm here. More co- I'm here with what, the, the COVID situation, as you as you mentioned earlier. There's players self isolating. Uh, I'm, we'll, we'll know that we'll know the truth when we see that when we see the squad, or rather when we see the team uh, listed. And but then you go back to Bruce's record, Steve. I think if you look at it, then I, I was I was on a podcast yesterday, and 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 somebody asked me about about Newcastle, and I said. The form guide just tells you we're sitting at 20th. You know, least shots, least goals, uh, 27%, 28% possession. And I, and I used the analogy that, that we played Chelsea last week. We were looking to get zero. How they never scored five or six, I don't know. Um, you, you, we, had, we had 27% possession, and then I compared it to the time we played Man City. Back in 2019, when again we had around 27, 28, 29 percent possession, we're, we're playing a we're playing a Man City team that were unbeaten in 20 odd games. Rafa set a team up, we're one nil down after 24 seconds, and we we rallied, we put a performance in, we followed a pattern, we kept our shape, we kept our pattern, we kept to the project, we kept to the plan, and we ended up beating them two one. And then I compare it to Saturday when in the 84th minute we get a throw in on the edge of the 18-yard box, Chelsea's 18-yard box. Within four seconds, it was in the hands of Carl Darlow. And I'm going, we're two now down, six minutes to go. And what are we trying to save? Are we trying to save, like, conceding the third goal? Is that, is that where we've got to? Is that the level that we're at? Is, is there no passion in that team anymore? You know, it, I mentioned San Maximum before. I mean, San Maximum during that game at Chelsea, he, his head was so far down that if it had gone any further and he bent further, any further forward, he would end up doing forward rolls. We've got Almiron who picks a ball up on the edge of our 18-yard box and runs. And when he gets there, when he gets the ball, he gets past the halfway line. And at that point, there's either nobody there to pass to or he gets brought down. Or he decides to go sideways. And yet there's two of the most skillful, fast, exciting players in the Premier League. And that's how Bruce has got with playing. And then I think to add insult to injury and to, to to really probably hammer the whole situation home, we had a situation where Lascelles was injured and the armband was passed to Fernandez, who didn't want it. He didn't want the armband. And we ended up with Kieran Clark wearing the armband in the second half. And no disrespect to Kieran Clark, but he, he wasn't a regular last season. And if my memory serves me right, this was probably his first performance and first outing in, in the Premier League this season. And he ended up with the armband. Now, either the armband doesn't make any hit with a difference of how you're going to play. It, it, you could argue that it's not a symbol of, of anything other than it's a bit of tape around your arm. Um, or you could argue that 
this is where your leadership comes from. This is where the driving force, this is where the, the, the captaincy helps to raise the team onto that next plane. It's where the enthusiasm comes. It's, it's supposed to be the person who puts out the manager's instruction. And Fernandez didn't want it, didn't want it. He passed it to somebody else. And I've never come across that situation for years at Newcastle where we've been so low and, and, and the squad's so low and members of the squad's so low that they can't even wear an armband for, what, 35 minutes? Was he embarrassed to wear it? Did he not want the, did he not want the responsibility of wearing it? Did he not want the responsibility of having to take on the manager's instruction and acting on behalf of the manager on the pitch? Because that's what the captain's supposed to do. He's the messenger boy. He's the driving force. He's the one that tries to keep the shape and the symbol and the and the balance uh, and the cohesion in the team that the manager has talked about at half time or talked about before the kickoff or uh, the instruction that he's put now very often goes through the captain. You know, and and we've all played the game. We all know how that how that happens. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm picking it up totally wrong. I don't know. But that that's just like, there's something not right there. And, oh, you know what? Today, it's a sort of, it's a sort of game where, you know what? Will, will, will Bruce's luck really run out? Or will, or will the lucky Bruce tag suddenly get with the three points and takes all the pressure off him? But at the moment, he's the luckiest man in the country managing a football pit team because there's zero people in the ground. You know, and even if we ended up with two thousand in St James's Park, I would imagine that they're either gonna have to be handpicked from Bruce's family and friends, um, or he's gonna get two thousand people giving him stick because there would have been fifty two thousand last week giving him stick. And I'm, that's not just me seeing it. I'm hearing this right across all my pals, all all the people I talk to, the people that send us messages, the, 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 the groups that I'm involved with. This is what I'm hearing. He would he would be dead by now, dead and buried as the manager in the castle. He would be getting absolutely slaughtered on on the touchline if there were 52,000 inside St. James's Park. And that makes him the luckiest manager in England at the moment, Steve. Yeah, no, I would agree with you uh, 100%. Don't forget, we are doing Match Day Live today. Uh, although it's a game I think probably all of us don't really want to watch. But Match Day Live follows the three amigos tonight. Long shift for me, but uh, I'm uh, making sure that we're doing it. Half past seven tonight. Join me and the team of fans as we uh, talk our way through <laughs> the, uh, the game against Crystal Palace. Big shout out to our sponsors as well, um, newworkwear.com, specialists in the supply and branding of clothing for the workplace. Uh, they are sponsoring our StreamYard application this month and qtechshop.co.uk, uh, makers of pool tables and snooker tables and other things in uh, Walls End in Newcastle. Uh, people are also asking about where they can, uh, where else they can hear this. Uh, we do uh, have the podcast and the shows on iTunes and on Spotify. So uh, if you want to uh, listen to us while you're out walking the dirt, uh, then uh, get yourself on there and listen to us warbling on about Newcastle United. Uh, Mitch, um, yeah, Steve Bruce, it's quite clear he's, uh, he's got big issues and um, 10 to 3 at the bookies. The bookies are rarely wrong, mate. Yeah, and he's dropped significantly today, apparently. Um, I'm going to chuck a hand grenade. 
Um, I've seen the flight manifest for the plane to take the players down to Crystal Palace. St. Maximin was on that manifest and was removed 15 minutes before the flight wow. left. That's, to me, that's not an injury, mate. Sorry. That's not an injury. Unbelievable. So that's Simple. And, 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 and that comes from somebody very, very, very reliable and also backs up what Steve was saying about how many players aren't on that plane because they're off isolating. Bruce's comment about two or three self-isolating, I'm sorry, you're a manager, you should know how many are. It's not two or three, tell me the number. And why it's aren't you telling number, me the Steve, number? Steve, are we just waving at us? Uh, it's five's a magic number, I heard. Uh, yeah, that's what I heard. I heard five is a magic number. Right. Whether it's, whether it's two or not, we'll find out in an hour. Right. And, and, and yeah. for me, um, this adds up the stuff I've been hearing. And again, everybody knows fine well me and Steve compare notes through the week. There's, there's no, there's, there's, you know, there's no hiding from that that we we discuss every aspect of um, Newcastle United in and out all the way through the week. Um, and this word that I'm hearing from different places about problems in the dressing room is now a big issue. We don't need two camps in that dressing room. We don't need a pro-Bruce and an anti-Bruce camp. At this moment in time, that's the last thing we need. Um, and so, for me, um, it just shows the where, where we're falling to at the minute. Um, and I think it's interesting to see now <clears throat> some of the national journalists are starting to get a bit, get on um, on the bus that says uh, these fans actually deserve to say this about their club. We're all seeing what's going wrong and everybody can see it. And so um, I think, again, if, as Steve rightly says, if that was 52,000 in the ground every week, the, the noise against Bruce would be horrendous. Um, and I think he would be in a much more precarious position than he is right now in, the, in, in that with closed grounds, COVID is helping him at the moment to stay where he is. Um, and Mike Ashley, remember, wants his money. And he's not going to get his money if we're in the championship. He's not going to get half of his money. <clears throat> what did you, can I ask you a question, you know? Mitch? What did you think of the statement, and, and you as well, Steve Anzar, the statement that, that, that Bruce came out with it the, the, after the last game, where he said that the fans were, were producing negative energy? And I'm thinking, <laughs> how can we produce negative energy? We're not even in the ground. But apparently social media is now impacting on the team and creating negative vibes around the club. I'm thinking, dear me, we can't even we can't even get within a hundred yards of the training ground. We can't get within a hundred yards of the of the game on a match day. You're lucky if you could get near the strawberry on a match day, for goodness sake. And yet he comes out with that. I just do, do you guys do you guys think that I'm 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 sort of clutching at straws, or is there something seriously wrong then? When you when you can blame the fans who are not even in the ground. Hello, Stewie. You all right, mate. Hi, <laughs> Stu. 
Where is he? Oh, there he's getting his earpiece in. Good evening, Stu. Stu's joined us. <laughs> Hi, Stu. How are you? Two for the price of one. Yeah, Two yeah. Price. Well, I've missed out on the retro, so I thought I'd join in just on a special <laughs> guest appearance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve Hastie, I think you're right, mate. I, I don't think you're missing anything at all. I think uh, I think you're 100% right with your comments there. And, um, you know, the, Steve Bruce does tend to, you know, talk a lot about the fans. Um, but, you know, Mitch, he's right, isn't he? There's no fans in the ground. How can we be creating negativity? Um, hardly... Yeah, crazy. You, you know, what are we doing it by like telekinesis? You know, how are we, how are we transmitting this negative energy into the ground? It, it, do you know what? If he, if he thinks that's negative energy, he's bloody lucky that the ground's not very absolutely. Sorry to interrupt, but can you remember? Was it the Cardiff game where Pardew couldn't even get out of the dugout when yes. he was yeah. for his blood? Yes, and then I think. Was it Cissé scored a goal and just basically saved his ass? Yes. That was, I mean, that I've never seen anything yeah. like every time Pardew stepped out of the dugout, there was like people were just baying for his blood. Yes. I remember that. Yeah, he's really got off easy. Steve and then when he, did, when he did step out of the dugout, everybody shouted the time to sit back down again. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Unbelievable stuff, um, you know, but he's very lucky. He is very, very lucky. Good evening to all of our fans in Australia. We've been joined by about two or three. Jamie is one of them there. Good evening. Hope, uh, well, I'm saying good evening. It's good morning to you. Uh, nice to have so many people on around the world. Um, Zara, we're going to have to let you go in the next couple yeah. of minutes. I know you've got things to do. So give us a quick prediction for tonight's game against Crystal Palace. 3 1. <laughs> When you, when you mentioned prediction today, I kind of crapped myself. But then I saw that, who was it from Crystal Palace who can't play? Zaha. Zaha. Yeah, I was Zaha. like, there you go. He's got his luck. Their best player can't play. But now I've heard that half of our team's got COVID. I think we're going to lose 1-0. 1-0 defeat, Zara's gone for, uh, which um, I think is rather generous, the way that we've played, but I know you haven't watched many games. I think it could be a lot more than that tonight. I think if uh, Crystal Palace uh, get their shooting boots on, but let's wait and see what the teams are before we make our predictions. Last chance to promote the film. Obviously, I've got the uh, the flyer behind us there. I'll leave that there for the rest of the night. But um, came on the shipment came the other day. Until fantastic. Out soon. DVDs. I had Great to stuff. The had to empty the pallet by myself. Great stuff. But never mind, De COVID. Um, yeah, well, Okay, and uh, last uh, last chance to tell people where they can get it on download and that they can get it on Apple, that's right, isn't it? And a couple yeah, of other places. Apple, Amazon, Sky Store, Virgin. I'm missing somebody, Google and others. Yeah. Trying to get onto somebody put a PlayStation before. Trying to get onto PlayStation or Xbox, one of them, but apparently they're quite tough to negotiate with. Okay, no problem, Zara. Great to have you on. Absolutely wonderful guest. I hope you'll come back on at some point and uh, join us on a, on a Friday night. It'd be nice to have you on. But good luck with it. Thank Best you very much, guys. Uh, Thank you. you and James, stay safe. Take care. Bye bye. Enjoy the film. Take care, lads. Bye bye. Bye, Zara. Great abs are on, been fantastic guest, and uh, don't forget, please support a film. Uh, it is uh, it is a great, great watch. Um, time to discuss the fans getting back into the ground, Steve, I think. And this is yeah. really a bone of contention because 
you know, as we know, we're in tier three. Uh, a lot of people up and down the country are, um, you know, uh, obviously in lower tiers. London, Kel Surprise, uh, you know, can get fans back in. Uh, we could have a situation where we play Brentford in the cup and, you know, they're going to have, you know, supporters in the ground. Newcastle can't have supporters in the ground. So what's your, what's your take on this? I mean, you know, it, it's... It does very much look like a, a north-south divide. I know it's it's down to the tiers, etc. But um, is it fair to have supporters in in grounds in some games and not in others? Um, is it fair? No, it's not. Um, is it right that fans are getting into the ground? It depends on your opinion of exactly what the seriousness of COVID is. My daughter caught COVID a couple of weeks ago. I was was tested positive um, she had very you know a variety of, of, of minor symptoms she was over it within a week um, she was out of isolation within 10 days as per the rules my wife and I living in the same house were absolutely fine for the entire fortnight although we were locked in for a fortnight um, and I can't understand for the life of me how if she caught it and tested positive and yet our tests were negative um, how we then subsequently didn't catch it in the intervening fortnight. All very strange. This 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 virus is is um, how how can you describe it? It's uh, indiscriminate. You know, it it it's it's difficult to pin down exactly um, how you catch it, when you catch it, whether you have it. But when you do have it, you certainly know about it because you lose your taste buds and you lose your sense of smell and that's the minor thing you might have a a, a few nights of, of cold sweats and you might feel as though you've got the flu and that might be it but other people with various underlying health problems or because of their age or because of the blood group i don't know what it is they they get absolutely wiped out and 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 are seriously ill and then the hospitals get overloaded with people in those situations so it's very difficult i was out Personally, I, I, I spoke the club. I was part of a group who spoke back in, I think it was, uh, what, must be three months ago now. And we had a Zoom conference where we talked about how would we get fans back into the ground. And um, we were shown the plans. We were, you know, we had it discussed with us. And uh, we, we, Thomas Kingannon, who's part of the trust, was involved in that. Uh, with myself, we wrote back to the club uh, collectively um, as a partnership in, in terms of what we thought um, might work, what might not work, and some of the problems and pitfalls that people were going to identify. Um, you know, at the time, I think the maximum under the rules that the government was talking about at the time, you could get 17,000 in the ground. Um, but with another configuration of sitting separately, you would barely get seven. Now it looks like Newcastle get zero, but Arsenal get 4,000, you know? Tottenham get 4,000. Crystal Palace will get 4,000. Um, West Ham will get 4,000 because they've been categorised into the group then it becomes political doesn't it because Liverpool will get 4,000 but Man United will get none, Man City will get none simply because they've been put into Capri in the same way as Newcastle will get none and that's politics that's been at play there um, you know the mayor, the, the mayor of Greater Manchester Andy Burnham stood up and, and you know let his mouth go quite rightly in my, in my opinion on, on what was happening in Manchester and now they're, they're suffering the consequences. I read a lot of people saying that the same happened with Newcastle uh, with, with Nick Forbes because he, he was wanting something 
uh, to help us over that at that particular time. And now we've been put into Category 3 when all our figures are dropping. Um, I listened to the mayor uh, or the, the leader of Gateshead Council saying exactly the same. Um, only on, on, I think it was Tuesday night on, on uh, the BBC. And he was saying how the figures were dropping and he, he was hoping that we we're going to be put into a Category 2. <laughs> Let's face it, it doesn't really matter whether whether there's 2,000 in the ground or not because the atmosphere is going to be crap anyway. You know, it's, it's rattling around in that. But it's the principle of it. The principle again, and we'll go back to competition. The principle of the competition that somebody can have fans in and other people can't. And it's supposed to be a level playing field. You know, it's advantage. There might be a very, very small advantage handover, but it's an advantage. And that's wrong, Steve. In my eyes, that's wrong. It's unfair. It's wrong. And it goes against the spirit of the game, the spirit of the competition. And I know we all want to be back on the ground. And I know there will be people rejoicing that some fans are going to be let in. But not at the cost of credibility, not at the cost of 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 a competition, not at the cost of fairness and equity. No, I'm not I'm not having it, Steve. Not having it at all. A lot of uh, a lot of people making some very valid points. Um James Dean mentions that Marcelo Bielsa has demanded that the Premier League scrap letting fans in until everyone can go. Uh, it's unfair on the other clubs losing a small amount of match day revenue. I mean one would argue, Mitch, that you know, it's going to cost teams' money to open the ground to allow a minimum yes. amount of supporters in. Yeah. And, and that's exactly the point, Steve. And I'll tell you what this is all about. This isn't about the Premier League. This is the government paying lip service to the Football League to allow fans into grounds in more numbers than the original setup allowed. I'll take you back to Stevenage. I've spoken about Stevenage a few times. Under the original plans for the left fans back in, they would have been allowed 400 fans. It's not worth their while to let 400 fans into their ground. Now they're going to let a lot more in. And therefore, what the government are turning around and saying is, look at us helping these League 1 and League 2 teams get fans into the ground. Therefore, we don't have to step in and help these clubs. We don't have to step in and tell the Inland Revenue to not foreclose some of these clubs so they get their money. Whereas the right thing to do, if they're really interested in helping football league clubs, is to turn around and say, OK, we will take the hit that we won't collect the outstanding tax for these clubs. We won't let the tax man foreclose on these clubs and they can go on existing. Because the government at the moment are doing nothing for football. They don't want to do anything for football because they're quite happy to try and let football sort itself out. Because Project Big Picture said, well, we can give some money to the football league. And they're not prepared. If they really wanted to help football, you turn around and you say, right, you're not paying any tax for the next three years. Boom. And that'll save so many clubs, no matter how they've been run. And again, those owners get away scot-free with their irresponsible ownerships. But then that club will still survive. Instead, what we've got is a situation where they're trying to create something to let fans back in. And it's not for the Premier League clubs. So many Premier League clubs letting 4,000 fans in will lose money on that. 
on the match day costs for the policing, on the match day costs for running the stadium, on the match day costs for opening whatever F and B they're allowed to, on the match day costs of ensuring that people can go to the toilet and socially distance while they do. You know, Steve shared some of that, those documents with, with me that he was talking about. And it was like 3D bloody chess. It was, you know, oh, well, I can't sit somebody there because there's somebody sat there. And he's on the end of a nail. And he's sitting right near where people might walk past and go up the toilet. Okay, so we'll put people there. Oh, but you can't put them there. And it's like each ground has to be assessed individually. What they're doing is they're just washing their hands of that a little bit and saying, okay, let fans in in a certain amount of numbers. And it's not about the Premier League at all. But what it is creating is a bias. And I've, I've said this before, and we've said this before. If they go ahead with something like this, you watch. If, if somebody somebody who gets relegated at the end of the season has somebody like Nick DeMarco on their side at the end of the season, and the first thing you say is, hang on a minute, one third of the way through the season, you change the rules about fans and grounds. Therefore, we finish the season in a different way in which we started it, and this entire competition is invalid. And I think that's a very logical argument, and I think that's a very sound argument. You can't suddenly say that this guy in Liverpool can have 4,000 in, and these guys in Manchester can have none in. That's ridiculous. And I think these are the kind of things that we could leverage as fans to put pressure on the big six. Hang on a minute, Manchester United and Manchester City. Are you happy being treated differently to Liverpool and to Arsenal and to Tottenham? Are you really that happy to see Chelsea with 4,000 people in the ground when you go there, but you have an empty ground when they come to you? And so these are the things that, that create these situations, actually, which don't help themselves. And, and we... We have to keep that pressure on as fans to say, no, this is not right. Absolutely not right. And as, as they've just said there, biased, absolutely biased. Biased in a way that is, I don't think it's intentional. I don't think it's based on, um, you know, how can we help London clubs here? I think it's based on currying favour with football league clubs because they're not prepared to help them in any other way. Yeah. I'll tell you what will happen next, guys. What will happen next is once they've got the 4,000 in at Arsenal and Tottenham and Chelsea and West Ham, they'll turn around and go, we can actually get more in now, you know. You know, we've, we've, we've managed for a couple of weeks and got 4,000 cities. We could actually push this to eight because our grounds are so big. And then before you know it, it'll be 8,000. Then it'll be 12. Then it'll be 16,000 in. And let's face it, you've got 60,000-seater stadium at Arsenal. You've got a 60,000-seater stadium at Tottenham. A 60,000 seater stadium at West Ham, and you've got a 40,000 seater stadium at Chelsea. So, all of a sudden, it'll be we've managed this, we've managed that, we can go there, we can go there, go there, while the rest of us are stuck in tier three and not moving from it. And if we do, yep. manage, to, if we do manage to get out of tier three, it'll be a miracle. And if we do, if we do get into tier two, we're going to be stuck in tier two, let's face it, until at least March. But more than likely, it's a lot easier for the government to turn around and just keep it in Tier 3. But London, once you're already in Tier 2, and that's when they'll start chipping away. They'll chip away and chip away, and it'll rise and rise and rise for them, and we'll be stranded. Our yep. club will be stranded. Manchester City will be stranded. 
Man United will be stranded, Leeds will be stranded, you know, but that would be it. They'll be happy with that. Absolutely happy with that. Because yeah, I mean, you're saying, you're saying we'll be in tier two. What will happen is, I, I've predicted this already, we'll get a revised, we'll get a, revi a revision on the tiers in on the 16th. We'll drop the tier two. Then we've got Christmas where we're all going to be out for five days, which which is, is absolutely Because the, the, the virus knows it's Christmas, obviously. Exactly. So they're, exactly. they're, they're having a break, aye. So, so everyone's out for five days. We've already been told that for five days, um, for one day uh, out equals you know, five days locked up. So that's January. We'll be completely locked down in January. So back to square one. And then February will be will be going back to the tier system, which, you know, if if it if it goes the way it has done um in you know, again, we will probably be back in tier three come February. So as you rightly say, Steve, we'll get back to March and then, you know, it'll be a revision as to whether whether we can yeah. even drop the tier two. Uh, you know, Anyone who's got any hope or hope of going to a Newcastle game this year at St James's Park, I'm afraid this year and early next year, we'll not get in this season. We'll not get in now until the start of next season. And I think the only way that they could do it is by slightly delaying the Premier League and hoping that hoping that the virus and everyone's had the vaccine. Um, I think it'll be late August, September by the time anyone can step foot back in that ground. I'll, I'll give you a direct comparison, okay? And I think I've hinted at this before on here, uh, or maybe it's on Retro Show either. Or, um, when everything really kicked off, we had a super hard lockdown here. Harder than... I hear you guys talking about lockdown. You don't have a lockdown. You've got a restriction. You don't have a lockdown. I had to apply to the police if I wanted to go and buy a loaf of bread, you know, and get a permit. We were locked down. But we're seeing the benefit of that now. Yeah. And yet... Yet, only now, even though we're way ahead in terms of numbers, we're way ahead in terms of how everything's controlled, and the world seems a lot more normal day by day here. First, I'm sitting talking to you from the pub right now, and how many of people watching would love to be in the pub right now? And I, I you know what, I feel really lucky enough. It's, it's these little things that you actually appreciate more and more when you can't do them, because believe you me, I couldn't even go to the bloody shop without a police permit for four weeks of my life. I'm telling you, that's hard. Um, that's a lockdown. And and Steve knows that because his daughter's out here. Okay. And so, um, you know, and, and yet only now the Gulf League are talking about letting their fans back into the grounds for the Gulf League games. Exactly. You know, and, and there's, there's no screaming hurry to get the fans back in. They're doing it when it's right, and they're doing it in the right way. And they're only now consulting about opening the grounds to fans for sporting events. And slowly and slowly and slowly, the sporting events that happen out here, a lot of which are top show. Let's remember, this part of the world loves a little bit of razzmatazz. They love a little bit of show-off. They love a little bit of, here's a, here's a game that means absolutely nothing, but it means everything to us. Um, and yet, now they're starting about talking about allowing fans back into sporting tournaments. And even then, not in the numbers that you're talking. Not in the numbers of 4,000. It's much lower than that, and it's much more controlled than that. Yeah. And, and, and this, I, I look at what's happening back home, and I despair. I absolutely despair that, you know, you talk about being ahead of the curve. We are so far ahead of the curve out here. 
compared to back home and it breaks me bloody hard because I know how much everybody's hurting back home but, but you guys are hurting because you haven't had that initial period where it was controlled properly yeah there were actually drones flying in the street outside my daughter's apartment block on Shearside yes. Road from 8 o'clock at night because you weren't allowed out of the apartment no, block. No, you weren't. The security guards on each apartment block and then outside the police had drones flying around to make sure nobody tried to climb out of a window or sneak out of a back door or anything. I mean, that's that's how serious it was taken. And if you did get caught, the fines were absolutely astronomical. So as she said, they put the fear of God into you. And yeah. now, now, I mean, she obviously she flies around all over the world with with uh, with the Emirates Airlines, and she's tested continuously. But still, the restrictions are in place to a greater electric extent, and to the point where they actually, if I remember rightly, Mitch, when I said I was coming over, and, and you, you'll you'll confirm this, that she actually said in the summer, "Don't come over because you can't go shopping." And I said, "What do you mean?" She goes. Well, because of your age, you're not allowed into the shop. Yeah, not new malls. Yeah. So I was, I was going to have to stay at home while the rest of the family went to the shopping mall because Aye. of your age. Because you had to take your passport and you had to prove who you were. Yes. They looked at your photograph and then they said, sorry, you're too old, you can't come in. Yes, too much of a risk for you. You know? We, 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 have, we, we have ID cards out here, so it was easy for us to just say, yep, there's my ID, on yeah. you go and everything's on the chips. You know, and, and so for you guys, it would have been bring your passport and know you're not allowed in. Um, and, and it was that that strict and that hard. You know, it, it, I, I I was lucky. I've got a I've got a medical license, and so with a medical license, you actually had reasonably free movement if you wanted, um, because because you were classed as a key worker, and so you could move around whenever. Yeah. Um, but I didn't want to take the piss out of that. You know, it, it's not fair. You know, when when I've got mates stuck in the, their apartments and they can only apply to go and go and get shopping in essentials three three times a week, and you've got to have your police permit on your phone via the Dubai police app and what have you. That's that's a proper proper lockdown. That's a lockdown. Yeah. When you were doing that, we were told to wash our hands. <laughs> I, and stay alert. Yeah. And stay, yeah. stay alert. Because yeah. the virus may be behind around any corner. Wash your hands. You know, and, <laughs> a happy birthday. Uh, uh, to answer, answer Tom's question there, my local team in Dubai, well, I've got a soft spot for, for Al-Akhli because um, it's now known as Al-Akhli Shabab Dubai because we merged a couple of teams. Um, but why I've got a soft spot for them was Roy Aiken was a sporting director there and Roy was a patient of mine out here and was really kind enough to take me to some amazing games here. I've been to Asian Champions League semi-finals, I've been to Gulf Cup finals uh, and I've been to big games in the in the Gulf League, um, all thanks to Roy. So my team out here is Al-Ahli, Shabab, Dubai. Um, but I also have a soft spot for Al Jazeera in Abu Dhabi because they're playing black and white. And there's a Who's new that? club out. Who's that kid in the black and white top? Who's that kid in the black and white top, Mitch, with Roy Aiken, your pal? Oh, kid with hair. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, Brilliant. I, just I found that the day. Steve that's me. Hair. That's me Steve with hair. hair. 
as a young lad with my first fanzine, uh, the number, uh, the mighty Quinn. That was very, issue one. That was in a players, uh, a Newcastle United players, um, Newcastle United supporters club end of season due in 1989, and that's uh, in 1989-90, I think it was that season. Me, Roy Aiken, Mark Stimson, and my mate Matty. Uh, but yeah, I've just dug that dug that out today. <laughs> big, big, big Roy is one of the nicest men you could ever meet, um, and and I. I promised him I'm going to take him up on his offer because I think he's working as an ambassador for Celtic at the moment. And, I, and he said, if I, when I get back, eventually he's going to take us up to Celtic for the day and, and I'll take him up on that offer all day long because he's one of the nicest blokes in football I've ever spent time with. Genuine nice guy. Really nice guy. I was speaking to his son the other day because uh, his son's out here still. Um, and, and yeah, so funny that. It, 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 it's good to see yeah. that picture as well, mate. Paul Patterson says, "Paul Patterson says it's not a uh, it, it's not a rumor," as Steve says. And uh, he was he was on the he was on the plane. We broke that exclusive a little bit earlier, but it's not a, it's not a rumor. He's definitely had a, some kind of a bust up with uh, Bruce. Uh, yes, whether sure. he had the truth behind that, uh, we'll find out. Uh, Feed the Bear says John Melrose of course that was the song that we all used to sing to uh, to Roy Aiken Paul Gibson says I look older on the picture which is good Donald Baines <laughs> says wow yes I, I did actually I did have hair uh, you look young there Steve says uh, Tom Dixon and uh, look like a red shaka says Ronald Baines God <laughs> Yeah, maybe he's not at that age. Uh, do we do we think Brucey has ninety minutes of his managerial managerial career? Is this is this the end tonight if we get beat, Steve? You know what? In in any, in any other situation, I would have said quite possibly, but the way the club are at the moment, um, I, I I don't think it is. I think I think it just they just keep plodding on, and then it'll reach a point where eventually, actually, as Neil said half an hour ago will have to suddenly look at his investment in the football club and go enough is enough I need to save this and he needs to save it during the tra January transfer window and he needs to make sure well lucky we've got 11 points Steve really really lucky that we've got 11 points we're not seeing performances that justify 11 points but we're really lucky we've got those um, in the bag and the other thing is you look at the rest of the league. Sheffield United have had that poor start and they'll start to pick up. Fulham have had the poor start and may start to pick up. And so will others down at the bottom at the moment. We we have a we have a poor spell to come. And it, and that's hard to say given what we've been watching. And I, I, that's that I, that's scary for me. But there's this there's a there's a poor run to come. And Christ almighty, that poor run could absolutely obliterate us as a football club. And if I was a if I was a if I was in charge of the football club, then yes, he would be gone. In fact he wouldn't be there already. He would have gone already. I would have I would have I'd have done something to turn it round. Um but will that happen to, over the weekend? I, I very much doubt it, Steve. 
Okay, uh, just a quick one. Zara's just messaged us. We did have her on, of course, a little bit earlier in the first hour of the show. If you missed it, we are the Geordies. Uh, the film which uh, we are promoting on uh, NUFC Matters over the next uh, few weeks before it uh, comes out on the 11th of December. The website to buy it is uh, wearethegeordies.com. She's very kindly offered uh, anyone who watches NUFC Matters um, some discount. So uh, you can... Uh, Take that coupon code, which is simply the number three and then Amigos. So if you want to uh, copy that down, copy and paste it, email it to yourself, write it down on a piece of paper, like the old-fashioned way. Uh, but if you want to do that now, wearethegeordies.com uh, is the website, and coupon code is three Amigos, and uh, you will get, I think, a couple of quid off, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So any, any money that you can save during these times, I'm sure is uh, very, very much well received. So thanks for Zara uh, for doing that. And uh, yeah, well worth a watch, the film. Mitch, is this the last saloon then for Steve Bruce tonight? Five minutes before the team's announced. Um, is Mike Ashley going to have the balls to sack him if uh, we get beat? Can you ever predict what Mike Ashley's going to do? No, you can't. <laughs> Go on. You, you know what? If we get a shellacking tonight... I wouldn't put it beyond Ashley to pull the trigger. Because, frankly, Mr. Ashley wants his money. And he's not yeah. going to get his money if we're in the championship. It's as simple as that. This is his last chance to get top dollar for Newcastle United. If the sale doesn't go through, there's not a chance in hell he will get more than 200 million for Newcastle United in the future. And I can tell you that from talking to interested parties ahead of the PIF announcement and that one interested party was saying, yeah, we're going to go in, but we're going to offer him 295 and every month he doesn't say yes, we're going to drop it by 10 million. And Steve knows who I'm talking about there. And that was their strategy. And do I think... Anybody else looking at Newcastle United in the post-COVID world thinks they're worth three hundred million? Nah, nah. Yeah. And, and but equally in the championship, how do you value a club at the moment? How how do you work a club out? Um, when I see what the agreed amount for Derby is at the moment, and I don't believe that includes their ground, and that to me looks looks like somebody overpaying, if you ask me. Um, particularly when I've been told by somebody that they could have got it for got it for a quid in February, but that's another matter. Um, that's a that's a tale for another day, perhaps. Um, and, but you know, it, 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 it we've said this on here for weeks now. How do you value a club? What's Sunderland's worth at the moment? Real estate plus twenty percent is what I've been told. Um, is does that equal what this? Um, alleged consortium that involves a guy whose father-in-law's banned from football forever and the son of the dodgiest owner of a French football club ever are coming in to, to pay to get Donald out of his hole. You know, um, is, is that what they are worth? Or is that just shuffling the deck chairs around on the deck of the Titanic to keep the tax man at bay? Which is what I think it is. Um... But can you value a football club at this moment in time? And we've been being told by people who value football clubs 
And Steve will say this, since February, we've been being told you cannot value a football club at this moment in time. It's worth whatever somebody is prepared to pay for it. Simple. And, and so... One more bit on that, though. It's also worth what somebody's willing to take. And usually, yes. in, the current, in the current climate, they're all one out. And the Derby situation, yes. the Derby situation is a very interesting one. Why would you buy a club but not buy the ground? Exactly. Coventry City written all over it for a future talk, you know? Doesn't it? Aye. Why would you do that? That's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Buy a football ground that at any particular time, after a dispute or an argument or a failed payment of rent, that you could suddenly find yourself not playing in Derby but playing in Leicester instead. You know? Why, would you, why would you appoint Steve McLaren anywhere near a football club? Well, that's, again, that, again. do you know what, Steve? That's a different thing, though. That's that's because the the current owner Morris is staying on as a as an advisor, when Morris and McLaren have a very cosy relationship. That's why he's been there five times. Five yeah, it's times. It's definitely an old boys thing. I, I got that, but um, I just thought it was a, it was a weird appointment. You know, the man with a brolly going back to Derby <laughs> again. You know, but you know maybe he's just in a, in a nice little cushy position in the stand Absolutely. when he's allowed to be there I think it'll be even more bizarre if they give the uh, manager's job to Wayne Rooney who uh, clearly looks out of his depth at this moment in time um, I think that will be a, a stranger decision uh, we're coming up towards 7 o'clock team news will be with us shortly and we'll start turning our attention to that Flo um, Lee Ryder has just put something up on uh, on his social media uh, Twitter uh, basically, Florian Thorvan set to leave Marseille on a free. Um, of course, he was the man that was scouted by Graham Carr and wasted on under free. Steve McLaren. Yeah, he's up for grabs for free this summer. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there was a, a lot of stuff talked about with regards to uh, Florian Thorvan and would let a gem slip through our hands. But just another another bad sign, and I thought uh, Florian Thorvan wasn't he, Steve? See, yeah, go on, I, mean, I mean, a, 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 another another example of somebody coming. Without doing the background check, you know, um, the, the the lad just didn't have it in him. He he, he didn't have the, he didn't have the self confidence to 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 live outside of France. He didn't he didn't you know the, the language issues, everything. And when you're buying a foreign player, that's a big gamble. And the, the fact that I, I often wondered, and I know this sounds silly, but do you remember when he turned up on his first game, and for some reason the squad thought it would be a laugh. To make him wear a tuxedo, yeah. And whether that just the the, the, the humiliation that he got in the changing, whether that just went the wrong way, and he just didn't react to it as the joke because it's a sense of humour thing. Whether he just didn't take it, or whether he whether he just felt very very un, uncomfortable after that moment in time that he was always going to be a, sort of the butt of ridicule in the dressing room or something. I don't know, but that's how. That's how that sort of like um, whether you call it's not even terrorist humour, it's dressing room humour, it's dressing room banter. But foreign players often don't get it, and that's what causes rifts as well. When you have foreign players yeah. in the squad, it causes pistoning. Yeah, I, I, I go back to there was a, there was an interesting thing in the um, in the Spurs documentary um, that I watched a couple of weeks ago where um, the the bit where where um, Mourinho took over. And um, he was talking in Portuguese to his to his coach, 
and he said, who's the leader? Who's the one in the changing room that everybody is, is who's the who's the catalyst? And he said, Sissoko. And if you remember on that particular that couple of weeks ago, I said, Sissoko, you're joking, aren't you? And uh, apparently, it, you know, that's the way it's up. I'm looking at that team, Steve. Yeah, um, team news. Hot, hot, hot off the uh, hot off the press, if you like, and uh, Carl Darlow, Manquillo, Fernandez, Kieran Clark, Jamal Lewis, uh, John Joe Shelby returns as captain. Jeff Hendricks back in the midfield alongside Sean Longstaff, Almiron, Joe Linton, and Callum Wilson. And on the bench we have Gillespie, Matty Longstaff, Fabian Shaw, uh, Matt Ritchie. Uh, DeAndre Yedlin, Murphy, and Anderson is on the bench as well. So, uh, so no, views on no, that? No place, for, no place for the cells who was part on the list that we had that we, we obviously want to mention. No place for him. No and place not for, on the plane. And not on the plane. No place for, uh, for Andy Carroll. Uh, not there. Um, and no no place for another midfielder there. Um, but no place for no place for. Um, who was it? Uh, there was there was one. There was there was a, a fullback. He was he was out. Um, Craft. 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 Yeah. yeah. And uh, and no place for uh, for Hayden. Yeah. Okay. Let's have a look at the uh, the home lineup, and uh, we've got Giata, Klein, Cahill, Dan, Van Arnholt, Townsend makes it. Coyote, MacArthur is. Ayu, Schlup, Butland, Ward, Tompkins, Sacco, Beardwells, Benteke and Batushwaya on the bench. So, luckily no uh, players for Zaha there. But, um, yeah, OK. Mitch, give us, your, give us your views. Give us your views on that starting line-up for Newcastle. Um, it, it's another classic names in a hat and positions on a dartboard, isn't it? Um, you know, the... The last one didn't work, so let's change it again. Or oh, what have I got to work with? Because I've got quote unquote two or three in isolation, um, and 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 a mystery injury to the most creative player that we have. Really, really, you know. Um, for me, I prefer back four, um, but he's been forced into playing a back four. I think. Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, it doesn't exactly infuse me, uh, but uh, at least Wilson's in there. Um, let's just hope his hamstring is right. That's the big worry, isn't it, Steve? That Wilson yeah, might. Yeah, I mean, well, it is Mitch, isn't it? If, if if he gets injured because Bruce wants to try and play him through the pain barrier, that that is a big concern. It could affect could affect us massively through the you know, the next few months. And while it's in my head, I'll come back to Tovan. I'll make a point about Tovan, about why he might be available on a free. You've got to remember, he went back to France on Premier League wages. And we've been subsidising his wages, and that agreement runs out this year, I think. And so, because of COVID and the actual uh, financial situation in the clubs across Europe, um, can they afford to keep him? And I suspect the answer is, no, they cannot because he breaks the wage structure and therefore they will have players who will have to go on to a different wage to match his wage if he gets given a new contract that isn't subsidised and I suspect that's what's happened to Tovan there it's not anything else other than a financial decision 
I tell you what, doing back to the back four, that 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 again sums up the manager, doesn't it? He just does not know whether to play a back four or a back five. Mm. He doesn't know whether to play a striker on his own or somebody alongside him. He doesn't know who to play or whether he can play somebody in a number ten role. Um, I always and I'll go back to this point, guys. We have a team of where we always play two central midfielders that are so deep lying to protect the back four and even that doesn't work you know Let, let's see what the day brings with but like dear me you know um what's happened to fraser what's happened there one game we've had one game out of fraser i think since he started you know since we signed him and i know that he, i know that he came and, and he didn't come with an injury, but he came with like being unfit. And now we're still not seeing him. And now he's got an injury. And and this again, and, and, and another so, soft tissue injury. Yeah, symptomatic of something that just follows Bruce around everywhere. And run it off. Before, play through the pain barrier. You don't play. Run it off, magic sponge. Yeah. Yeah, it's Mike Bassett, football manager. I feel as though I'm back in that sort of realm, you know. Right. That's where I'm at with this with this club at the moment. I'm I'm I'm, a, I'm Mike Bassett, football manager too. Is that what we're watching? Maybe Zara could have made a film about it, and it would have been better than the one where I'm going to be putting up with. To be honest, lads, looking at that team, um, it's probably. Trying to play devil's advocate here. It's probably the best team that he could have picked tonight. Um, but we all know the way that Steve Bruce sets up. We all know the way that Steve Bruce will hammer it into the team. We we used the match of the day um, picture this week, which shows that our you know our formation, if you like, is is just huddled in the middle. Uh, yeah. Match of the day. Match of the day showed like this where the heat map takes all the players and it's it's like schoolboy football the third the player that was furthest forward was actually longstaff um which which is bizarre and, and you know you look at it and you're really 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 you know really scratching your head and thinking you know what on earth does steve bruce know about managing a football team and and that's the big that's the big concern and mike bassett who you mentioned to be honest i think ian hutchinson says it there i was just going to say it as well from from our perspective You'd prefer Mike Bassett as the manager, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> you probably would be more entertaining anyway. You know, the press conferences would be a bit more interesting. Put it that way, it uh, it would certainly be more entertaining. But you know, it's just we're, we're losing the will to live, aren't we? It, you know, we, we try our best to talk about the positivities and of Newcastle United, and then you know, we, we, at the end of this, we'll get to twenty-five after and say, "How do you think we'll get on, Steve?" And we'll probably all go. I think we get a win, you know. I think we'll probably scrape this up quite good, you know. <laughs> because we're optimism takes over because we're, we're, that's what we are, we're fans. Sometimes when you speak from the heart, you, you, you sort of begin to sort of live it again, you know. You live it because it's, it's just hope. You live in hope, not expectation. And, you know, it doesn't give it doesn't give you pleasure talking like this about the club. It doesn't give you pleasure talking like this about the team or talking about this about the manager. You're merely you're merely talking about what you're observing, and I'm sick of observing it. I'm sick of watching it in that in that in that way. But what I'm seeing, I'm finding it very very difficult to do anything else. It's it's so hard. It's so hard at the minute. And um, somebody said, Brucey Bingo. You know that 
we're coming down. We're, we're back into the, we're back into the sort of form of humour, aren't we? Bruce and, and, and we're becoming a parody of ourselves. We're, we're a parody club. We're a parody manager, and and we're having to laugh with it because if we didn't, where would we'd we cry. Yeah, apologies. I'm sure everybody can hear us, but my picture is not great. Virgin Media doing their best to uh, screw up the broadcast once again. Uh, happens, unfortunately. The good news is, Mitch, I've got a drink. Um, a bottle of Prosecco has been opened in our house and uh, I've, I've opted for that instead of coffee and water because I've got a feeling I'm going to need alcohol to get through this game tonight. Um, <laughs> Paul Patterson does say that we've got more, uh, they've got more firepower than we have and, and that's that's true. I, I always yeah. have Townsend down as the biggest threat like because it, I'd loved him at Newcastle. He was a great player. Unfortunately, Rafa couldn't persuade him to stay because obviously we took the drop. Uh, but yeah, hey, you know, Town, Townsend could call us a serious bother and he always seems to score one or two absolute blinders, um, you know, in a season and I, I would put I would put money on him tonight getting a goal. Yeah. No, it, it, it's, it's, it's the kind of, kind of situation where you know an old player's going to kick you up the arse. And, and so yeah. very potential, very, very big potential to do that. Depending also which side he plays on, um, if he's going to go on their right against our left, he's going up against a fullback who's been really exposed. And I saw an interesting uh, comment on the screen there about uh, playing Almiron just to protect the fullback. And if he does that, that's wrong. And he's right. It is wrong. You know, it, it, it just exposes um, it, it exposes him for the lack of ideas that he has. And then he, he does that. And then puts players into situations which they will not excel at. For example, the um, St. Maximum tackle that gave the penalty away against Brighton. He should not have been in our own box making that tackle. Not in a million years. But why was he? It was because he decided he wanted them to play there and track back and protect the fullback rather than worry about going forward. And that's ridiculous absolutely ridiculous and, and and it says a lot about him as a tactician that if all he's interested in is nullifying what the opposition do rather than worrying about how we can hurt the opposition yeah your whole mindset isn't it yeah your whole mindset yeah. would be what have you got and what can you do to the opposition not what the opposition can do, can do to you Yes, you need to be aware of what the opposition's strengths and weaknesses are, but you concentrate on their weaknesses and you put a team out to exploit their weaknesses. You, you put mm. a team out with the, with, the, with the mentality that you can attack. You put a team out with the mentality that they're winners. You put a team out with the mentality and the confidence to go out with a plan that they're confident in doing. And I don't think that there is... There's any, I don't, well, we, we certainly haven't got the personnel who could defend for 90 minutes. You know, we, we go, go down, we'll be three now down. You know, that's, that's, that's what we're like. We're, we're, we're the sort of team at the moment under Bruce where we need all 11 players to shine, to actually yeah. scrape out the draw. You know what I mean? And 
good managers, good managers can still confidence in teams. They 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 they, they, they take the they take the exciting players, the skillful players, and they have a, and they have grafters who jo- who know their job. They know what they're there to expect. They know what they're there to do. And then you use your exciting players to go out there, and, and that's the fairy dust that you sprinkle along your squad. That's the that's the that's the bit that gets you over the line. That's the bit that. That you've got people who can can produce something out of nothing. There was a shot by Longstaff last week where he hit the bar. It was a move out of nothing. But yeah. they, they, those type of things are once in a blue moon. They 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 come about you know one in every four or five games where you'll see someone who'll have an effort like that. We, we seem to be a team that seems to be devoid of confidence and devoid of coaching and devoid of a system and devoid of. There's no system. Well, there's, there, exactly. There, there is no system, and and this is why this is why Steve Bruce appeared to be a manager to, to put into put into practice right the way through the, the club, from top to bottom. From your dad would call it the ends, but we'll call it we'll call it the youngsters. We'll call it the, the academy right. through to the under twenty threes. We don't have a reserve team now, but that's what it is. And then into the first team, where you've got a system of play, and and you can interfere, you know what it is, but you've also got something that you can very, very quickly interchange, and that's what top managers do. That's what Mourinho does. That's what that's what Liverpool do. Liverpool have got a system, and they always stick rigidly four three three. Um, Manchester City, they're different. They play a different way. They're, they're trying to do something different at, at Chelsea at the moment, but. Tottenham, Tottenham have a, a fluidity about it. They've converted a, a Harry Kane into someone who can play slightly deeper because we know he's got players who can put the ball in the back mm. of the net who can break past them. And Harry Kane's become a creator and a goal scorer. Yes, and that's, good. that's a good manager who's produced that. We've yeah. got we've got a we've got a centre forward who drops deep and then nobody even runs past him. He, he drops no. deep the ball through their back. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is what we expect from managers. We expect managers to be able to psych out a system and psych out an opposition and have people around them who can identify what those problems are and, and exploit the weaknesses of the opposition at particular times and also defend at particular times. I'm seeing none of that. None of it whatsoever. Steve, Steve this is the, this is adds to the Joel Linton quandary. I still believe there's a player in there in the right system. Yeah. And I believe he should be a false name. That's the kind of system he needs to play in. Because you see when he comes deep, he does his good work, not in the box, but outside the box when he comes out, when he comes deep and brings other people in. But then when he does that, there's nobody going past him for him to bring in. So he looks even worse. He looks even worse. You know what it is? I don't know if I've said this on here or not, I, we get a little bit of stick for going at Bruce. Do you know what? There's nobody would like him to succeed more than me. Yeah. Local lad. I've played with his bloody brother. I'll dig a, dig a picture out of the fucking team with it in, in somewhere. You, you cannot miss his bloody brother on the team. And uh, you, me, and everybody out there would have taken that game, taken that role rather. Taking the manager's job, I would love a Geordie to succeed as a manager at our club the way Sir Bobby Robson nearly did, for example. You know, would love nothing more than that, and I would love nothing more for him to succeed. 
Particularly, like we have said for weeks on here, we know what we're watching. We're football intelligent enough to know what we're watching and what we're watching. Even if you take all the stats out of it, what we're watching is dross. You add the stats in and I just sigh an XG. Yeah. Two, two, two of us here are from World's End. You know, two, Aye, two exactly. Of us, you know, one of us went to school and walk out. One of us... One of us didn't, but we're both Wolves End lads, and we want to see a, a Wolves End Walker lad do really well. You know, yeah. that, there's no doubt about it. I played against Steve Bruce as a youngster, you know, as a schoolboy. He was in the year below me at school. He played for Benfield. He played in the year above. He was such a good footballer. In those days, you played in the year above. You were any good, and Steve Bruce did. Now, he was little Bruce. There was a big Bruce. The only difference was one was older than the other. That was the difference. But he was a good footballer, you know? Um, and... and you know, you follow his career, and you you want you exactly you're absolutely spot on. You nailed it, Edge. You want him to succeed. You want a Jordy to succeed. Yeah. You know, and 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 we're not having a goal simply See, because it's like it's the flavor of the month time. It's no. what we're seeing. It's what, it's we're, what seeing. we're seeing. Yeah. Take out, take out the whole sudden connection. Take out everything else. His Man United connection. All of that. Take it out. He's He's a Jordy managing the managing our club. If you don't want to succeed, there's something wrong. Yeah. Equally, we've got to the point where we can't tolerate what we're watching from him, and he can't tolerate what's coming out of the dressing room about him, and he can't tolerate what's seeing happening to our our team on the pitch and watch that kind of football. You know, and, and, and let's I hate doing this. There are fact comparisons, but let's do it. Yeah, you can look at the basic numbers, but the context, the context of it all. Under Rafa, we could have 30% possession and win. Yes. Because there was a system, there was an organisation, there was a solidity. There is none of that in this team right now. There is no system. There is no consistency. There is no solidity. And that seems to be the system is, well, this worked last time, so let's have another go at that. And that's Rafa, bullshit. The other, the other thing with Rafa, because you've raised it, I'll, I'll, I'll carry on with that theme. With Rafa, the, the, the game didn't end for him as a coach when the whistle blew for the start of the game. Mm. His job ended... When the game ended, he 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 coached his team throughout the game. He followed the plan. He made sure they followed the plan. If they didn't follow the plan, they were substituted, or they were ridiculed, or they were or they were they were grabbed the hold of at half time, and they were told what was doing wrong, what they were doing wrong, where they'd stepped over the mark. How many times at the end of the game did you see Rafa getting a hold of a Perez, getting a hold of a Shelton, or a Lisbon? You could see them when they come out pitch, tell them something that they've done. That's what a manager is about. And there's a program on 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 BBC on on BBC Five, a comedy uh, a, 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 a comedy program, sport and comedy, like fight and talk. And there's a part of it at the very end where they have this thing called defend the indefensible. And quite frankly, that's what people are doing. When they talk about backing Steve Bruce, because they are at the moment defending the indefensible. They're going against all logic. They're going against everything they see. 
and they're going everything every result every stat and they're defending if they're defending them they're defending the totally indefensible it's yeah crazy. Dale and Joy uh, asking for a shout out. Good evening, Liverpool Football Club fans, perhaps, but uh, all welcome on this channel and uh, good luck with your uh, blog. Um, coming up towards uh, half past seven, uh, ten minutes left uh, to go. We'll start focusing on the match. We do have a match day live tonight, of course. Uh, straight after this po uh, this broadcast, there'll be a separate link goes up on YouTube. So please join me and uh, the lads and lasses who will be looking at the game. Uh, not even sure I'm going to bother um, watching the game. I've got to be perfectly honest because I'm so sick of Bruce Ball. It's absolutely doing my head in. So uh, uh, somebody will be watching it and will be giving some kind of commentary. Um, I am just going to sit and have a drink tonight, which uh, I don't often do, which is a, which is a good idea. So let's look at the. Yeah, you know what the teams are now. We'll have a we'll have a look. Mitch, we'll put it up first. We'll put it up again. We know what the lineup is. What's your prediction for tonight's game, man? How do you see it going? Well, obviously, Mr. Penman says three-one Newcastle because that's his regular bet, and he's sort of brainwashed himself into that bizarre positivity. But you know, it's your own. I can't see us winning tonight. Um, we might, and I'm going to say this simply out of the loyalty to the club that says I don't want to say that we're going to lose I think 1-1 one, 1-1 one. One, one. okay Steve Hasty, are you as positive as uh, Neil and Stu Penman I'm not no um, I'm not I'm not at all I think if it I, I, you know I'm, you, know, you, you look at the lineup, right I mean, Dolo deserves to be playing in goal because he's been outstanding this season he's, he's put in some great performances and Chelsea could have been well away last week, couldn't it? Without him, you know, it could have been six or seven, as we mentioned earlier. Easily. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the back four. We've got we've got Manquillo, and we've got Jamal Lewis. Um, can they control the, the the likes of Townsend who are coming at them? You'd hope so. You're not filled with confidence. Jamal's just a young kid. He's only just joined us, joined the team. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to throw criticism in. I think what he what he lacks is somebody around him who can help him through a game. He, he's lacking a leader, and I don't think I don't think with with uh, with Lascelles he was getting it for for whatever reason. We'll lack we'll lack a captain. We'll lack a leader. We'll lack somebody who can help people through a game. Um, Shelby's going to play quarterback again. He's going to sit deep. Um, You've got Joe Linton. Just Mitch mentioned them earlier, and you know, there's, a, there's is there a player in there? We're still looking for it. I think we'll still be looking for it after after the game. I think we'll get be three notes. Well, I'm going for a, I'm going for a narrow defeat. Um, I do think Newcastle will will score somehow. Uh, I think it's going to be two one. Um, that's what I'm going to go for, lads. As always, absolutely superb show. Um, really nice. pleased with it. Big thanks to Zara for coming on. Mitch, I'll let you get back to the beers. Steve Hasty, thanks for uh, a great show uh, and great, great to have um, you backwards and forwards this hey, week. It's it's always good. I was going to say, guys, this week on our individual WhatsApp group has been immense. And thank you. 
yeah, great stuff. Absolutely superb. Okay, uh, we're going to finish off with uh, our Phone a Friend um, campaign, which we're running throughout the month of uh, November. Call a family member or a friend that you haven't spoken to for a while and uh, just do it because it does make a difference. It does cheer somebody's day up. I'll be back in five minutes' time with Match Day Live. Uh, it's good night from me, good night from Steve Hasty, and good night. And it's good night from, from him. Take care, lads. <laughs> Mick Quinn here, and with another lockdown looming, you can understand why people are feeling down, a little bit depressed. Newcastle United fans, I'm back and phone a friend. So if you feel that way, pick up the phone, ring a mate, ring a family member, tell them how you feel. Get it off your chest and you'll feel a lot better. I'm back and phone a friend. I'm back and phone a friend. Hello everyone, I'm Stephen Caldwell, and I'm back and phone a friend. What we've all got to do is stick together, family and friends. So if you're feeling a little bit low, a little bit uh, not positive about the outcome of the, the day that's coming up, um, just pick up the phone, call one of your friends or family. little five, ten minute chat makes you feel that bit more positive. Share your thoughts with uh, the person you're speaking to. But stay as positive as you can. We're going to come out of this and we'll come out of the better. So Lee Clark... Cassinated, I'm back in phone a friend. All the very best. I'm back. Phone a friend. Hi everyone, Rob Lee here. There we have it, another lockdown looming for all of us. Uh, it can be strange times, people can be very isolated, people feel very depressed. That's why I'm back in phone a friend. Liam O'Brien here. I'm back in phone a friend. I'm back in phone a friend. Please remember, these are very, very tough times for us all. And if you're not feeling well, you're not feeling confident, you're not feeling good, just phone a friend. I'm back in phone a friend. Good morning, this is Warren Barton. I just want to wish you a good day. Enjoy your day. And that's a difficult time for everybody at the moment. Uh, if you are feeling isolated, uh, feeling alone, uh, just reach out for someone. You're not on your own, whether it be a, a work colleague, a family member, next door neighbour, maybe even the guy in the, the paper shop. Um, just reach out to them. You're not alone. Um, we know we want to try and support our team and concentrate on something else, but at this difficult time, uh, just reach out for someone. There's someone there to support you, and I wish you all the best. Take care. I'm back and phone a friend.